Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. This is going to be a fun episode. I recently went on a trip with Mrs. Metallicast. We flew from New York to San Francisco. We ended up doing a road trip, renting a car, Taking it north up the coast of Oregon into Washington, ending in Seattle. But the Bay Area, San Francisco, this is where our focus is going to be. This is where our episode is going to start. Because I did a little bit of a Metallica pilgrimage. So the first day we were there, we really, got to be honest, did nothing but drink and eat. We did a lot of bar hopping. And the last place we ended up was a place called Tommy's Joint. Now, this is a really cool bar, good beer selection, good food, pretty unique and funky, especially from the outside. But this has an important part in Metallica history because this is the bar where Metallica asked Jason Newstead to officially join the band. There is even a little Metallica picture up that they autographed. It is right below the huge Guy Fieri poster. So if you are there looking for the uh, picture, just look for Guy Fieri. Such a rock and roll corner because Guy Fieri is rock and roll. But even if the Metallica history did not exist there, it is a cool spot. So if you are in San Francisco, I suggest you try it out. Then, a couple days later, when we got the car to make a road trip, we made our way through the rest of Northern California. We stopped in El Cerrito. What is there, you might ask? Well, 3132 Carson Boulevard, the home where the members of Metallica lived, James Hatfield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammond, and Cliff Burden. They wrote and rehearsed most of the songs off both Ride the Lightning and Master Puppet's at this house specifically in the garage which is no longer there sadly the house actually looks very different if you go on google and you do a search for the address or you look for metallica house you're gonna see old pictures of it looks very different now the current owners let plants and shrubberies grow in front of it i'm guessing to keep their privacy because creeps like me stop randomly in the front of the house and take pictures of it Um, Like I said, the garage was torn down, so it's no longer there. But you might have seen a really cool video that Metallica recently released on YouTube where James Hetfield Hetfield, talks about a new guitar that is made from the wood from that garage. And he even named it Carl after Carlson Boulevard. So that was a really cool moment. And then we went to San Rafael and saw... Where the current magic happens, Metallica HQ. Now, this was also a cool experience, even though I felt a little bit bad dragging Mrs. Metallica along to look at buildings. She knew how important this little pilgrimage was for me. And 
Metallic HQ, if you have not seen a picture of it or have never been there, you would never know it's their HQ. It's kind of on an industrial street. Across the street, there's like school sports fields. It's pretty desolate compared to the rest of San Rafael anyways. And the HQ itself sits near the near the street. All windows in the front for the most part. All tented. I'm sure you can see out. You most definitely cannot see in. Not that I tried. And the rest of the building is surrounded by a fence with barbed wire on the top. So there's no way you're getting in without causing serious injury to yourself and you know, of course, the obvious serious security breach. But you can look through the fence a little bit where, like, the car's parked. And you can see the spray-painted artwork of James Hatfield on the side of the building. It was really, really cool. Even Miss Metallica had a mint. All right. Metallic HQ was pretty cool. Al straight up to her. was like, all right, this is just a random house in a random neighborhood. But Metallic HQ, she was like, all right, that, I got a mint. Pretty cool. Now, the reason I bring that up to start this episode, because it got me thinking. Between this trip and the recent re-release and remaster of the Garage Days EP, it made me start thinking a lot about the early years of Metallica. So my first initial thought for this episode was, let me cover 1981-1982, sort of the formation of the band until the release of Kill 'Em All. And... Metal Up Your Podcast recently did that episode. So I was like, we have some of the same listeners, want to give them something new, also do not want to be accused of ripping anybody off. I mean, while talking about the same band, we're going to have similar topics. I would love to do that episode down the road, but too soon, too soon. So I decided to go in a different direction, which I think is going to be fun. And this is going to be a very music-heavy episode. I'm going to try to keep down some of the talk, So we get an increase in the rock, baby. This episode is going to detail the bands they were in before Metallica. So just to clarify, although maybe their names come up here or there, I'm not going to be discussing Rod McGovney or David Satan. I am talking about all the members of Metallica that have recorded an album with the band. So let me start with the co-founders. Because these, honestly, are going to be the quickest entries in this podcast. Mr. Lars Ulrich and Mr. James Hetfield. Hetfield! The reason the 
entries are going to be a little bit quicker than the others is because, well, to start with Lars, he has been in no other bands. His one and only band in his entire life is Metallica. He was not in a band before Metallica, and he has even said in interviews that if Metallica were to end today, he doubts he would go on and play drums for another band. So he most likely would not be in a band after Metallica, even though that day will never, ever come. Because Metallica will always be around, right? Right, guys? I shudder to think of a world without Metallica playing shows and new Metallica music. Now I'm just going down the dark road. I'm going to stop myself. So, Lars is going to be the quickest entry. Because Metallica, like I said, is one and only band. Now, Hatfield, he was in a few high school bands. He was in a band called Obsession. He was then in a band called Phantom Lord. And then he was in a band called Leather Charm. Now, I searched for any kind of recordings of any of these bands. As far as I can tell, they are not out there. If you are listening and you know of a recording of one of these bands, whether it is a demo or a live recording, please let me know. Hit me up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by email, metallicast at fansonexperts.com. Let me know if it exists and where I can find it, because I would love to hear it, but as far as I know, there's not a recording out there, at least that has been released to the public. Now, some interesting notes about these bands, however. I said their names might come up. Well, Obsession, his first band, the bassist was Rod McGovney, who, of course, would go on to be the first bassist for Metallica before Cliff Burden came in. And then his second band, Phantom Lord, well, that goes without saying. Because Phantom Lord, of course, was a song title on Kill 'Em All, the first Metallica album, which I find interesting. There was something about that title that stuck with James Hetfield. I'm not sure if he's ever spoke about it in an interview. I've read a lot of Hetfield interviews. I've watched a lot of Hetfield interviews. And all the ones I've seen, that specific question has not come up. If you know of an interview out there where he has addressed it or you know the reason why, maybe that song title stuck with him. Again, hit me up on social media and let me know the answer to that. But from my research, from my understanding of it, that has not been explained. All I know is that it is a badass song, right? Right. Now his third band, which was his last band before he joined up with our favorite Danish drummer, Leather Charm. The story goes that parts of Hit the Lights came from riffs he wrote with that band, and then he got together with Lars, and they reworked it into the song that we know and love, and that starts, of course, again, their first album, Kill Em All. So it is a little bit ironic that the two co-founders of the band are going to have the two quickest entries in this podcast episode. But let us move on now to lead guitarist, Kirk the Ripper. Hey. In 1979, at the age of 16, Kirk Hammett formed his first band. 
He named the band after a novel by Leon Uris. That band was Exodus. The band lineup at that time consisted of vocalist Paul Balaf. Balaf, Balaf, Balaf. I should know this. Anyways, bassist Jeff Andrews, drummer Tom Hunting, and guitarist Gary Holt. If that last name sounds familiar to you, it might be because he currently plays for Slayer. He filled in for Jeff Hanneman after he sadly could no longer play and still is touring with the band after he sadly passed. Now, Kirk Hammett wrote a number of riffs for Exodus, but the riffs that he wrote and his actual playing never made it to their first album, the legendary Bonded by Blood album. His riffs and playing, however, did make it onto a 1982 demo. This is Kirk Hammett playing with Exodus on a song called Whipping Queen. Oh, my God. 
sounding, especially early Iron Maiden. I feel like that could have easily been off Killers or something. Now, like I mentioned before, the riffs that Kirk Hammett wrote never appeared on an Exodus album, with one exception, however. And ironically, it appeared on an album called Temple of the Damned that was not released until 2004, so about 20 years after Kirk left Exodus for Metallica, one of his riffs made an Exodus album. You see, they recorded a song that was originally released in the 1982 demo. The name of the song is Impaler. And the interesting thing about this song is that, well, one of the riffs in it that Kirk wrote, he kind of brought it over to Metallica. And there are a few examples of this happening where Kirk wrote a riff for Exodus and then brought it over to his next band. So I would like to play you those riffs side by side so you can compare and contrast. First up is the Exodus song that I already mentioned, Impaler. See if you recognize the riff and see if you can name that tune. That Metallica tune, that is. Sound familiar? Maybe it sounds a bit like Trapped Under Ice off Ride the Lightning. There's also this Exodus song called To Die by His Hand. You'll never guess what Metallica song uses the riff.
be honest, when the Exodus version was playing, you were singing along using the lyrics from Creeping Death. I know I was. So extremely similar. I mean, Metallica even borrowed the lyric, basically, except to change the word his to my. Die by his hand. The die by my hand. So very similar. But hey, Kirk wrote the riff. So whatever. He gets to do with it what he wants to do with it. And something really cool is that in recent years, Kirk Hammond has actually joined Exodus on stage. They did a tribute show for Paul Balif, 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 Balif again. I should know this. Back in, I believe, 2012. And he joined them on stage at least for one song. I know he played the song Whipping Queen, which I played previously from the 1982 demo. And he might have played a few other songs with them, I'm not sure. And I know he recently was joined by Exodus at his Fair Festival, his uh, horror convention that he has been putting on yearly the last few years anyways. So, really cool. I think like all the members of Metallica, you know, Kirk has managed to stay pretty grounded and definitely remembers where he came from and remembers his roots. I mean, he is a founding member of Exodus, which is pretty cool because Exodus has gone down history as maybe not one of the big four, but I dare say one of the big five, maybe big six if you include Testament in there. Good to see. Cool stuff. Let's move on to not just anybody, but my all-time favorite bassist, the genius, Clifford Lee Burden. That is a clip from the band Agents of Misfortune, one of the few bands that Cliff Burton played in before Metallica. This was actually one of his high school bands, and the really cool thing about this is that not only is Cliff Burton on bass, but Jim Martin is on guitar. For those of you who do not know, Jim Martin is the original guitarist of another one of my favorite bands, Faith No More. The two of them went to high school together, became friends, and they were actually in a band before this together called Easy Street. Easy as in the letters E and Z, not like the word easy. You'll never believe this, unless you already know, but Mike Borden was the drummer. Mike Borden being the drummer of Faith No More, and he's 
done a bunch of other stuff too, most notably drums for Ozzy Osbourne. In fact, back in the day I saw Ozzy Osbourne live with Mike Borden on drums and Mr. Robert Trujillo on bass. So Easy Street was his first band in high school, featured Jim Martin and Mike Borden. This is Age's Misfortune, still Jim Martin on guitar. And this was a tryout for a battle of the bands. If you go to YouTube and look up Agents of Misfortune, there's about a 12 or 13 minute clip of them auditioning for the Battle of the Bands. There's also even an interview with the band members at the end. It's really cool. I'm going to play for you the bass solo part. It's a really trippy solo. There'll be no doubt in your mind that it is Cliff Burton playing with the amount of distortion and wah that he's using. And what is fascinating about this clip is that you're going to hear little snippets here and there that are the beginnings of the anesthesia pulling teeth bass solo and you're also going to hear in a part you're going to hear the beginnings of the bass intro to for whom the bell tolls so this is a fascinating listen in my opinion check it out Thank <laughs> you. 
Now, perhaps the most well-known band that Cliff Burton was in before Metallica, at least by Metallica fans, is the band Trauma. Because this is the band that James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich saw Cliff play in at the Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A. And when they saw him do his bass solo during the set, they said, we need this bass player. They ended up obviously recruiting him, moving to the Bay Area to get him. And the rest, as they say, is history. So here is another bass solo. I would apologize for having so many bass solos in a single episode, except this is Cliff freaking Burden. So here he is in all of his trauma glory. So next up, we're going to look at the replacement for the late great Cliff Burden, that of course being Mr. Jason Newstead. So we're going to be doing all three Metallica bases in a row here. Jason played in a high school band called Gangster. There's not a lot of information out there about this band. No audio recordings, no video as far as I know of. Uh, but I did find this very interesting article from www.mlive.com called Rock Solid. Ex-Metallica bassist Jason Newstead, high school buddy Gary Kyes remain close after 33 years. This is an article from January 1st, 2012. And it is about Jason and his high school friend Gary, who played in the band Gangster with them. And basically in 1992, Gary got in a horrible car accident, bound to a wheelchair, Thought he would never have use of his arms ever again. And Jason has kept in touch with him and is, and is super close with his family. The article says that, you know, they call the family calls him Uncle Jason. It was a really inspiring article in a lot of ways. And it gave me some insight into a man whose music I've listened to for years. And I never knew about this part of his life. So if you have a chance, I would suggest you look it up. Again, it's from www.mlive.com. And it is quite an interesting read. His second band after high school, I think, is fairly well known. They definitely have a cult following, at least in America, uh, at least in the thrash metal scene. I'm talking about Flotsam and Jetsam. And the interesting thing about this band is that unlike Kirk with Exodus or Cliff with Trauma, Jason actually recorded a full-length professional album 
with Flossum and Jetsum. Their debut album was released in, I believe, 1986. It was called Doomsday for the Deceiver. It was released on Metal Blade Records. And that is not a coincidence. So for those of you who might not be aware, Brian Slagel is the owner of Metal Blade Records. He gave Metallica their first break. Uh, the first album they ever released was the Metal Massacre compilation album. Lars and James recorded the first song they ever wrote together, Hit the Lights, for that album. And that was the first time the world ever heard Metallica. And now, in the year of Master Puppets being released, Flotsam and Jetsam released their debut album on that label. In fact, it was Brian Slagel who recommended Jason Newsted for the bass position after Cliff passed. Jason still had to audition and go through the whole process, but obviously he got the gig. And here is a song from Doomsday for the Deceiver. The only reason I really chose this song, besides it being a shorter two-minute song, is that I thought it was interesting that the song title shared a name with a Metallica classic. I also found it very interesting because, from as far as I know, Jason Newsted wrote a lot of the lyrics. So, perhaps it was an homage in some ways. Anyways... Here's the Flossum and Jetsum song, Fade to Black. but certainly not least, is the most recent Metallica member, Mr. Robert Trujillo. Now, I think Robert probably has the most well-documented history because he's been in the forefront of the metal scene for quite a number of years, first with Suicidal Tendencies, then with the Mike Muir side project, um, Infectious Grooves. He played for years and years with Ozzy Osbourne. 
He played on an album with Jerry Cantrell. He has done fantastic work playing big arenas, playing with big bands. And now, of course, he's in the biggest band of them all, at least in the metal scene, Metallica. So I found this cool video on YouTube. I'm going to play you the audio. And it is just a compilation of Robert Trujillo before Metallica. Um, I will give as much credit as I can for the video. It was posted on December 23rd, 2011 by somebody by the screen name Metallica Addict 13. I have no clue if they created this video or if somebody else created it and they just posted I have no clue. But what is important is the audio. Because this is not a video podcast. This is an audio podcast. Without further ado, here's a about a four-minute compilation of Robert Trujillo before he was in Metallica. Bring Mr. Robert Trujillo back up here for this song.
And that brings us to the end of episode 6 of Metallicast. I hope you do not think I skimmed over anybody too quickly. I tried to give everybody a fair amount of time in a reasonable amount of time as far as length goes for this episode. I do plan on doing individual episodes down the road on the individual members so we can dive into the details, get into the nitty gritty of their history and of these bands as well as their roles in Metallica. If you find that, you know, Brandon, you missed something. You made a mistake. I found a audio recording of this band or a video of that band. Whatever the case may be, let me know. Email me, Metallicast.fans.experts, or I also mentioned a few times, hit me up on social media. I'm at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, I will be posting a couple pictures of my Bay Area trip. I plan on posting pictures of the El Cerrito house as well as Metallica HQ. So f- make sure you follow me on there so you can check out the pics. Please, if you like Metallicast, join the Metallicast Militia. Join or be conquer the love of the land. I want to take over the world or at least the podcast world or at least the Metallica podcast world. And I have some very good, very popular competition out there. Uh, But in all seriousness, please, if you like what you hear, join the Metalcast Militia. Support the show. Subscribe. Download. Spread the word. Leave a positive review on iTunes. Follow me on social media. Like I said, I am at Pod on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Now, for those of you who have been listening who already are a part of the Metallicast Militia, who already download each episode, who already subscribe, who already follow me on social media, you know that I like to end each episode with a cover of a Metallica song. And I chose an interesting one for this particular episode. Back in the day, in 2001, there was a tribute album called Metallic Assault, a tribute to Metallica. And there are a number of songs on that album recorded by various members of various metal and hard rock bands. And the track I selected is Battery because it features members of both Suicidal Tendencies and Flotsam and Jessam. It features Eric Knutson, the vocalist of Flotsam and Jessam, who I believe is the only original member, the only person who's been in the band from start till present day. It also features Mike Clark, the guitarist from Suicidal Tendencies. Not somebody we mentioned as a pre-Metallica band, but a legend in his own right. Dave Lombardo is playing drums. Dave Lombardo from Slayer, of course. And, get this, the bass player, Robert Trujillo. That is right, Robert Trujillo played Battery on a Metallica tribute album in 2001, two years before he would join the band and play that song all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, metal up your ass. Yeah!
Gaps not experts.